Our gospel lesson for today comes from Luke chapter 15. It will serve as the basis for our, both our children's devotion and our sermon. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Good morning, how are you guys today? Good, it's good to see you. I hope your parents don't mind, but I'm going to let you in on a little parenting secret this morning. Parents can tell how much you care about something based on how you react when it's lost. If you lose a toy or a book or something that belongs to you and you spend the whole day looking for it, that tells us this thing really matters to you. And we kind of keep that in mind because it's a perfect thing to take away when you're naughty. But if you lose something and then you just kind of forget that it's lost, that tells us they don't really care about that thing. When they're not looking, we can throw it away. How we react to lost things matters. And today, Jesus is basically telling us how you look at lost people matters. It tells us quite a bit. And today we're going to learn that so often you and I don't look at lost people the same way that Jesus looks at lost people. And that's going to help us see just how lost we are and how much we need our Savior. We have a Savior who always zealously looks for the lost. He's constantly looking, 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 looking to find the lost, even you and me. And when he finds the lost, there is a celebration in heaven, lots and lots of rejoicing. Today we're going to remember how much our Savior loves us, and that's going to have an impact on how we view other people who are lost too. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we don't always love people who are strayed from your flock the way that you do. We ask today that you would help us to see that in our own heart, that you would lead us to say sorry, that you would forgive us those sins. Help us to better appreciate how much you love the lost, how much you love us, and work in our hearts a love like yours. In your name we pray, amen. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts Be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, 
our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Most of you who have been at Mount Olive long enough to remember the days before this new hymnal, which really isn't all that long ago, you you probably know that I was never much of a series preacher. I wasn't coming up with clever series that tied readings together. I just kind of took it one week at a time. We've been using these series since we've started using the new hymnal, and I, I didn't come up with these. You probably knew that. I'm not creative enough to come up with things like this. But one of the things that I have appreciated the most about using these is it's forced me to think in ways that I don't think I would have otherwise. And let me give you an example. I've preached on this text three times to you. The last three years, I've preached on this very text. And when I first saw that it was in the Hard Truth series, it kind of stunned me for a second. Every reading up to this point that's been in the Hard Truth series, I've thought, yeah, that's, that's a tough one to chew on. That's, that kind of hits me. And this is going to be a, a, a heavy talk with the people this week. But I saw these two parables in Hard Truth, and I said, why are those there? What were they thinking? Why, why would they say these fit in a Hard Truth series? Those of you who are at our... our uh, open forums and voters meetings the last few, few times, you know that my goal for this summer was to preach and visit the people of Mount Olive. We're making progress. But I got a lot of people left to visit. I started off with this grand, this grand idea that I was going to visit all of Mount Olive's members by the end of the summer. All 137 houses I was going to at least stop by and leave a note if they weren't home. Not quite there yet. After a while, I realized I wasn't going to get to all 137 homes, so I started focusing on people we haven't seen all that often. And the more I was doing that, the more I was thinking thoughts like, boy, last week's sermon would have been great for them. I wish they were there to hear it. Or what I'm preaching on this week would be really good for them to hear. How can I quick summarize the thoughts in case they don't make it? It's not that hard for a preacher to start thinking about what the people who aren't in church need to hear. Which then begs the question, well, what do I say to you guys today? This is about the lost, right? And the people who are in the pews, well, they're not the people I'm visiting because they're here. So you're not lost, they're lost. What do I say to you? And that's when I had the aha moment. Jesus was talking to the people who didn't think they were lost. Jesus was talking to the people that the pastor didn't think were lost. And that's where this gets kind of hard. There's a difference in the way that people view the lost. And when Jesus identifies that these Pharisees and these religious leaders are viewing the lost in an unhealthy way, not the way God views the lost, he realizes they need to hear some very hard words. They need to be reminded exactly how God views the lost so they can see the contrast between their view of the lost and God's view of the lost. And that's hard for you and me to hear. That's the point of these two parables. So as we go through them, compare the way God views the lost to the way that you and I 
view the lost. The first one is clearly an outside of the group parable, right? So you got your, your hundred sheep, that's like your congregation, and then one is lost outside of the congregation. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. All right, so in fairness, I'm going to hit myself first and then I'm going to hit you, okay? I have no doubt that if one of the people who we would consider lost outside of this church comes back, we would all rejoice. I have no doubt about that. But I have to admit to you that in all these evenings when I've gone to make visits this summer, more often than I'd like to admit, the reason that I went was because I told you I would go. Not because I was so zealously concerned about the people who had strayed. I would love to be able to tell you, yes, every time I ran out the door, couldn't wait to go find the lost. But so often my motivation was flawed. I went because I needed to hold myself accountable. I told you I was going to go, so I have to go do it. Is that why Jesus goes? No. Jesus goes because he loves the lost. Jesus goes and he doesn't stop looking until he finds the lost simply because he purely, perfectly loves them. Now I'm going to hit you. How many of the lost people that I've been visiting do you know are lost? I've, I've found out that a lot of the people I'm visiting don't know anybody here and nobody here knows them. That's a problem. They're technically members of mine. I don't know them. And then I ask around to see if anybody else knows them and nobody knows them either. So if we didn't have their name on a piece of paper, we wouldn't even know that they were a part of our group, let alone that they were lost. Simple truth. We don't love the lost like Jesus does. That's reality. The the, the second one is hard to hear because it's an inside-the-house Parable. These coins are inanimate objects. They don't nibble their way to lostness like the sheep did. They don't start inside and and mindlessly make their way outside. They just get lost. But they're still inside the house. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And here's where that knowing people thing matters. If I don't know the people sitting in here, if you don't know the people sitting next to you, They could be right in the room with us, lost, and we wouldn't even know it. The only way to know if someone is lost is to know them. 
And again, if we don't know each other, if I don't know you, if I don't visit you more often, talk to you more often, more importantly, listen to you more often, I have no idea what's going on with you. I have no idea if you're lost inside the house or not. And the same is true for you. If we don't listen to one another, if we don't converse with one another, there might be a lost coin sitting in this room and we wouldn't even know that coin was lost. But if we know the coin is lost, we're going to do everything we can to find that coin and bring it back. I wish I could say I came up with this quote. I didn't. But the person who thinks they're found shows just how lost they are. The Christian who thinks they have it all figured out and that they're in a good spot and that they have nothing to worry about often shows just how much they need a savior to zealously chase after them. And this is why it's such good news that we have the savior we have. Jesus sinners does receive. He comes for us and he receives us people who are not like him, people who continuously show just how desperately we need a savior. Jesus comes for us. This is the greatest news in the world. When we think of the gospel, it is good for us to think Christ crucified for sinners because it's only because Jesus was willing to come here and sacrifice everything, literally to endure our hell and die our death so that we could be made white as snow, that we are forgiven. But I think it's easy for us to look at that as something that happened 2,000 years ago, like, yeah, Jesus came in the past and he saved me in the past, and we miss what he's doing every single moment of our lives right now, which is also the gospel, You were told about your Savior. Someone loved you enough. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, friend, coworker, I don't know who it was. Someone loved you enough to share the gospel with you. Someone loved you enough to bring you to the font, not so that they could do their good work and check off the Christian living item from their list, bring baby to font, check. No. So that God could do something amazing so that God could clothe you with Jesus' righteousness, so God could put his name on you and say, you belong to me. And then that someone who brought you to the font, or if you were an adult, that pastor who baptized you taught you what that meant. That yes, you were baptized once in the past, but that was God placing his name on you, saying, you are mine, you belong to me that God would place human beings in your life also lost people, me, family, relatives, friends, who love you enough that if you were to stray, they would share Jesus with you. It's not me pursuing the lost. It's not you pursuing the lost. It is Jesus pursuing the lost through us. And that's very different. I am not the hero. You are not the hero. Jesus is. He's the one who zealously pursues the lost. He's the one who comes after us with reckless abandon. But he often does that through the church. 
And, and that's the, the hidden truth here. Who is Jesus talking to? He is talking to the church. He is talking to people who thought, we're the church, we're the pastors, we're the leaders, who looked at sinners and tax collectors and said, ugh. Jesus was coming for those lost church leaders. Jesus was coming for those Pharisees and those tax collectors that they might see their great need for him, that they would know he came to save them too, that they might show love to the most open, wicked-looking strays of them all. Jesus, sinners, does receive. Even I have been forgiven. Even you have been forgiven. My prayer for you is that the love of our Savior Jesus, his reckless abandon for chasing after lost sinners like you and me, would reflect itself in your life as it does in mine. That we would make every effort to get to know one another better. That we would make every effort to reach out to the lost, to bring them back, not to our glory, but to the glory of their Savior Jesus. Amen.